0: Hello and welcome to another episode of BizBytes where what we try and do is, is get the story behind the story of the business and uh, I'm really uh, fascinated with my guest today. Rick, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, and uh, I, what I like to do from the beginning is basically say introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business just quickly as an introduction.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, essentially, well, firstly, thank you for inviting me onto the program. So thank you, Anthony. Um, my business in a nutshell is essentially what we do is typically we teach life coaches to be able to do their craft, to be able to coach, to be able to put themselves out there, to be able to help people. And we also teach neurolinguistic programming, right through to master training, right through to speaker training and trainer training. And that's primarily what we do as well as that. Of course, I coach and I write and I do all sorts of things and spend time with yourself. And so there's a whole host of other things that we typically do in businesses. But the most important thing that you know, we're often telling our coaches
0: is focus on your main game. Yes, uh, it's it's uh, look and I, I definitely want to get into that whole idea of coaching coaches because I love that and and uh, and particularly the kinds of areas that you're in. but but before we do that, I wanted to ask you what like what led you down this path of of, of coaching in the first place and then getting to the point where you're coaching coaches?
1: Uh, firstly, the the reason that I got into this space was you know when I was seven years old, my best friend was a library card. I spent a lot of time in the library looking at kids' books, got bored with those, uh, went around the corner and just happened to find myself in the psychology section, the mindset section, and started reading a lot of those books and became very fascinated about the fact that you could change because around that particular time, even at seven years old, I thought you were constricted by your parents. Whatever your parents were, you were going to be. And uh, you, you were stuck in that particular paradigm, but I became quite enthralled and fascinated in things like psychology, hypnosis, you know, some of the touch therapies, and many different people's lives that had gone through incredible transformations. So that ultimately did lead me to want to get, do the deep dive and really study the brain and how do we think, how do we work, how do we become who we become? And that's been, I guess it's been my lifelong passion. So it was a no-brainer to go into that area. Mind you, before I went into that area, I was in advertising. I was then in marketing. I was then in sales. and, uh, And when I was in marketing, a journalist came into my office one day, threw an envelope on my desk and said, that is you. And I said, great, fantastic. I'm an envelope. <laughs> and uh, she said, "She said, no, no, no. She said, I've just done a story about this new thing called life coaching, and you are a natural at this. And I said, okay, tell me, what is life coaching? And uh, in all honesty, I, I actually resisted opening up that envelope because I knew the day I did was the day that I was going to change career. And it, that's exactly what happened. Uh, I just, it was back in the days of videos. I remember putting the video into my VCR machine and uh, watching this video on, on this industry that was about to form called life coaching. And so I jumped in boots and all, and uh, I found home. I found the place that made so much sense to me.
0: And it's it's I, I love those kinds of stories, and it's funny. There's a a mentor of mine who said many years ago when I first heard him um, heard him present. I still remember him saying, "Your career is nothing more than a collection of selected pivotal moments," and and yes. I love how you kind of isolated a a number of those at, at that point. And it's fascinating that that you've had that. Um, uh, you know, you go back to being a little kid and um, and where that began and and I think that's true of a lot of people though they don't actually realize it uh you know that that a lot of and I, I know a lot of clients that I've worked with when you go back to that reason why they're doing it it often relates back to something that happened around the teenage years or sometimes in your case a little bit earlier and uh it leads you down a path and and so you know opening that envelope would have been did you did you realize at the time when you opened the that, that you opened the envelope that that really was going to be transformational for you?
1: Yeah, I, I think we, when we consider our five senses, I, I've come to understand that our five senses make us who we are. You know, it's it's the recording data. It's just like a cassette machine or a, a CD writer or whatever it might be. and But it's actually that sixth sense, which is the one that we deny most often, you know, and you might center that around your heart or your intuition or something along that line. I, I just knew. I knew the moment I was going to open that envelope was the moment that I was going to make a whole new level of decision. But uh, I also had some fear around that. And the reason that I resisted opening that envelope is my logical side could not compute. You know, how do how do you make money as a life coach? You know, Mm. because it really hadn't been established as a business model, and you know there were no concepts such as group coaching, educational content provider, online courses. None of those ideas were really around around that time. In fact, you know, the the internet was a twinkle in someone's eye, and you know, so at This particular juncture, it it just didn't make sense, so I resisted because it didn't make sense. But I've since discovered that when I follow my head so much, it doesn't always take me to where I think it's going to take me. But when I follow my intuition and I follow my heart, I always find myself in my happy place eventually.
0: Yeah, and and it's and it's hard to do that, isn't it? And I know you you talked about um, earlier on about not necessarily following your parents and being able to to change. And uh, you know, I'm very very aware of that. That sometimes you know it's it's not until you have the 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 confidence to make a decision that would be different to what your parents have made and not just to spite your parents which you know many many of us do i mean i i think back and say look i, I always hated classical music because my dad loved it so much um you know kind of rammed it down my throat and it made me go the other way right i think that yeah. we make some decisions based on on just wanting to be different but i think when you when you've got the confidence to make the decisions that are your decisions and and realize that they're different decisions to your parents um it's a huge uh it's a huge realization and and uh, i think that not many people do make that realization they just follow the same path
1: yeah well also it's something that you said there you know that you you said that you wanted to be confident enough to make the decision and a lot of our thinking is quite sequential in that way too you know, what happens is a lot of us think like uh, I wrote a, wrote a book a few years ago called Raw Courage because I'd re- I'd read so many books on courage. And I thought to myself, most of these don't actually give me any courage. You know, most of these are very much what books and not how books. You know, they don't tell me how I'm going to get courageous. And so I started doing a lot of research around it and drew on my own experience of courageous moments. And the thing that I realized is like confidence, courage is the same. We we, we completely get it wrong. What we think is we've got to be confident enough before we do the thing, or we've got to be courageous enough before we do the thing. The truth is we get courageous and we get confident when we back ourselves, even though we are so scared to do that thing. And, you know, as business people, I think most of us will be able to go somewhere through our lives and look back at a moment that we were very, very scared, but we did it anyway. And as a result of that, we made incredible inroads, you know, into, you know, or or we went, ascended up that ladder so much higher, so much faster because we took that leap of faith, And without courage, without confidence, and
0: then we found our courage and we found our confidence on the other side. It's often uh, reflection is such an important um, idea. And uh, I was with someone recently and they sort of challenged us. It was a group of us and they said, um, go back to 2004 and remember what you were doing in 2004 where were you at what did you want to achieve in 2004 and it was interesting because yeah. everyone was you know they they chose i'm not quite sure, i'm not quite sure why they chose 2004 specifically but they did and um you know i certainly remember um you know what 2004 was like for me and you know being in, employed at the time and in, and and various things that had that had happened and the growth that, that's happened since then and i know i was with a client recently where um you know she was focused on things that were happening now and that weren't going as right as she would like and yet you know i sort of stopped her and said just look at the last 18 months like she's just i said do do you have any idea how much you've achieved in an 18 month period and she was almost you know teary by the time we kind of reflected on that for for a few minutes. And I know that um, that's such an important uh, aspect of what we do, isn't it? And uh, 2004, I know, is it would have been auspicious for you because that's when you started right in the business.
1: Yeah, I started actually in 2002, but 2004 was actually a real pivotal time for me because I started my life coach study in 2002 and I completed it along with my neurolinguistic programming training in 2004 but I also got an idea for a book and that book was the pivotal moment for me because it turned into a bestseller a lot of people read it and I had people from all over the world you know demanding that I teach them how I had that massive quantum leap in my business and in my life. And they wanted to know, how do you think in richer ways? How do you bring about a lot more success in your life because of your thinking? Because most of us, I don't really believe, most of us have actually joined the dots. You know, when when something's not working in our business, what we first usually go to, is denial you know we just put our head in the sand pretend it'll go away pretend times will change Uh, the second place we go is commiseration you know we sit at the pub we talk to our mates about how bad things are and we you know we drink too much and etc or we you know hug our girlfriends or you know whatever we do but the third level that wiser people will go to is they'll go to skill You know, what do I need to learn in order to improve my skill around that area? But the smartest of all go, what is the thinking that is creating the thinking that is taking me down the wrong path? And so few people go down that corridor. You know, so many people will jump to denial, commiseration, skill, and very few people will go, okay, I want to change my thinking. Because I don't believe that a lot of people actually think that you can think differently. Mm. And I don't believe a lot of people have actually joined the dots that know that different thinking creates different outcomes. Um, Actually, I'll give you a really good story uh, around this. Uh, One of my mentors, uh, I sat down and he asked me, what are my dreams? What are my dreams and aspirations in my business? And I told him that you know uh, i had a monetary figure you know i wanted to make millions you know and that was my it was a very broad and non specific monetary figure and and he said to me how many millions specifically and i said i don't care just as long as it's lots <laughs> you know and he said that to me doesn't sound like an ironclad type strategy or outcome and he said Okay, so let me ask you another question. He said, Why? Why do you want to do this? And when I started to answer the why, money wasn't involved at all. You know, I said, The reason I want to do this is because I've had a very hard beginning in life. I had a tough start, and my life was not all that great. I suffered with depression, I suffered with anxiety, I had issues with money. Um, you know, broken relationships, all sorts of things that, you know, led me down horrible places. And I said, I now know how to, how's the thinking that will not allow that sort of level of decline. And I want to make sure that I can teach as many people as I possibly can, you know, to live a life beyond limits. You know, that's, that's really my goal. That's really my aim. And, and he said, finally, finally, we're at a good point. He said, you have a big enough why, and, and I almost had tears in my eyes when I was talking about this, and he said, you have, you have the gold right now in your hands, but it's not in your hands, it's in your heart. He said, when you have a why that's bigger than you, when you have a why that makes you cry, You have the thing that most people don't have. You have momentum. You have desire. You have drive. No one's going to tell you to work till midnight. No one's going to tell you to work seven days a week. You'll just do it because Mm. the why is big enough. So that was the key piece. But the second piece was the pivotal piece. And he said, okay, so what are your key drivers? What's going to get you there? And I I. Didn't even know the phrase key driver back then. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. You could do the biggest bang for your buck, the lowest result, or it's going to be the hardest that you've never, ever done before. Um, but when you do it, it's going to be like a tsunami. And And I said to him, the thing that I really think would really do it is if I can get in front of tens of thousands of people, perhaps even hundreds of thousands or even millions of people, And he said, okay, so what's the driver that's going to do that? You know, what's the vehicle? And we sat down and we did a bit of strategic conversation and we both decided that public speaking would be the best thing for me to be able to really master the art of public speaking and be able to be professional on stage, be inspirational on stage, create compelling reasons for people to listen, engagement, and then also be able to sell on stage. And so we decided that was going to be my key strategy besides writing books as well. And so I remember the very first time that I committed to do it and I was scared. Like I was really, really, really scared. It wasn't stopping me. But I was nervous. I had a dry mouth. You know, I was, I was shaking and I was feeling the fear of having to get up there on a stage in front of people. And I did it. The outcome was that that one talk, in that one talk, I earned three months income in that one talk. One day, in one day, I earned three months income. And that, for me, was a a moment where my brain exploded because I, I thought, wow, I have faced my fear. I have done it. I've got the strategy. I've got the system. I've got the structure. And I got three months' income in one day. So if I want to earn my whole year's income, I just have to do four talks. And this was pivotal because... Of course, I got busy on planning the next talk and and I got up and I did it again and expecting to get three months income, but I made a whole year's income in my next talk. And all of a sudden I began to realize that is my key driver. So all of my energy, all of my focus was getting in front of people and being able to inspire them, motivate them, encourage them give them good quality information so that that event could turn their lives around and that started building for me a reputation you know many people would invite their friends their mothers their uncles their aunts you know other people and they'd say you got to come you got to come you know you're going to learn so much it's it's great and so so that's what was the cornerstone of our business the keystone and it really held our entire business together and i realized that prior to that i had been so distracted i had been doing so many things like you and i were talking earlier about posting on facebook and the amount of time that people waste you know hoping like i teach a lot of coaches and i go guys uh, unless you've got a solid strategy with Facebook, don't expect that you're going to po- you know post some positive memes and you're going to have clients screaming out saying "I want you to coach me." It's just not going to
0: happen. It's it's just not going to work. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. And it's it's interesting. I wanted to I wanted to ask you just before we 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 wrap things up, but I wanted to ask you how did you make the switch then from you talking directly to people to coaching coaches and, and, and what, and even indeed, why even make that, that switch?
1: The, the reason that I, I made the switch was because I realized I was just one person and I have a big mission and I, I really do want to make a difference in this world. I want to, I want to, I want people to be kinder to one another. I want people at first to be kinder to themselves and, and I know a lot of negative self-talk that happens in people's heads. Really, it, it, it's like going into a boxing match with yourself. And I realized that as one person, I could only write so many books. I could only do so many talks. I could only do so many coaching sessions and so forth. And so what I built was I built a model to essentially build an army of coaches and you know, teaches many people everything. Absolutely everything I know about coaching. And uh, so, the thing that I love so much is I, I love teaching and I love sharing. But what I love more, like you know, one of my coaching clients last night, like I you know, in a big group, I teach all these coaches and. One of them got up and he said, I've got something to announce, you know, and we said, cool, well, what have you got? And he's a delightful man and uh, he's the happy coach. He's all about happiness and he lives and breathes everything that he is. And um, he said, I've got my first client. I've got my first client. You know, the strategy that you shared last week, it works, (laughs) you know, and he was so excited and it was so beautiful to see this man who, you know, his, his finances are not that great. Yeah. And to see him now turn this corner, like he's, he's prior to learning how to coach, he was driving Uber. And, you know, yep. and he, he used, to tell, used to tell me, you know, oh, my God, Rick, you know, I've, I've been driving all night. I've only had three hours sleep, you know, and, and I'd say, how much money have you made? And he'd say 300 bucks. And you'd say, do you realise that you could have just worked with perhaps one or two clients and made that in two hours? You know, and
0: and he yeah. couldn't get that at first, but it's so delightful to see the joy. I, I, I love all of that. And, Rick, we, we could talk for hours and hours. Um, and uh, there's so much to delve into with your with your stories, um, I, I just wanted to ask you one final question to, to what, what I'm always fascinated with, be, you know, being my marketing background. So you you got to the point where you're, you know, you wanted to do these talks and how do you get to the point of going, okay, I want to do these talks and you've got large audiences and continue to grow those audiences because, yes, there's a point where you get momentum, as you said, you know, people telling friends and family. But it's that initial inertia. How did you create that, and what do you continue to do to 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 create that?
1: Yeah, the the, the first thing that I, I teach our coaches to do is, is don't go out with a generic message. You know, it's it's very hard to attract a very big audience with a very generic message. Um, I'll, I'll give you a very quick classic story. Uh, there was a coach that came to me and she said, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm going to be an anxiety coach. And I said, look, the first thing you have to understand about a niche, is it has a pull effect and a push effect. So the thing is, if you go out as an anxiety coach, it has a pull effect, you know, in that people who have anxiety could perhaps find you and that's how you're going to build your audience. But you don't have a push effect with that. You can't go and find people who have anxiety. I mean, where do they live? Where, where do they congregate? What magazines do they read? You know, what groups do they subscribe to, et cetera? So I sat down with her. We did some work, and we decided to find, put a, get a push effect to this. And I said to her, what if you became a performance anxiety coach? And you just work with theatre actors, movie actors, you know, anyone who wants to act or perform, you know, singers, people like that. And she loved the idea. And I said, okay, now, strategy two, now that you have this extra word attached to your niche, now what you need to do is look for the key people of influence, the people who influence that, your audience, So, you know, she went to NIDA, she went to uh, the Victorian College of the Arts, she went to uh, film and television school, and I wrote her a script and she just had to call these people on the phone and go through this script. She called me back a day later and she said, oh, my God, I've got three talks to do to NIDA, Victorian College of the Arts and film and television school. And so, essentially, the script was that she had to simply say, uh, what I'd like to offer you is, is an opportunity for free. But before I offer you this opportunity, I just want to find out, would your students benefit by massively reducing their levels of anxiety prior to performance? and it was rhetorical of course the answer was yeah that would be yep. hugely beneficial well do you ha- you know do you do you have meetings do you have agms do you have conferences do you have moments where you need good speakers to deliver good content to your you know to your students and they said well actually we do we've got something coming up fairly soon mm-hmm. and you know those three gigs got her so busy that she never had to market again and, you know, it was, it was in, it incredible, the response she got. And she got to a point, she was number one on Google whenever you, you know, put performance anxiety coach. She's no longer there. She's now retired. Um, but the thing is that, you know, it's, that's a pivotal point, really getting very, very clear. You've got, to, you've got to say, this is my audience. I know where to find them. And now you've got to have a talk that draws that audience out from behind their tv sets takes them out of their houses you know gets them in a place because what you are offering them is life transforming
0: or shifting or changing fantastic rick as i said we we could talk for a long long time and i really appreciate all of the insights that you've given and uh, we're going to include in our show notes uh, information on how you can get in touch with Rick. And there's so much stuff on your website for people to uh, to get samples of what you're about and, and learn more. Uh, thank you again for being part of Biz Bytes. And uh, I know personally, I look forward to continuing the conversations into the future.
1: Thank you kindly, Anthony. I really appreciate you having me today.